In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. days of the early 2010s turn out to be a lot longer ago than I really am comfortable with. Um, intriguingly, this movie that was about like never aging really made me feel old. Made you feel old. <laughs> yeah. Um, which maybe, That's a problem. maybe is the point. But um, the question I wanted to start with was a thing that started developing like as the movie progressed and at the end I was like and I even felt this when I was doing the outline I was like oh this movie started out one way and by the time it was over it seemed like it was like an entirely different movie and uh-huh. so my question is a bit about like the second part like this once this like shifting thing starts to happen which is okay do you feel that it sounds appealing to you to live kind of a Bonnie and Clyde style life of crime? No. Oh, that was like a very ass. <laughs> wow, that was emphatic. So, um Yeah, no, not at all. Why not? I don't do stress. <laughs> Okay. I don't, I don't, that would be too stressful. Sure. I'm not like, I'm definitely a rule follower, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of uh, the law. <laughs> and, yep. Maybe not in terms of like societal conventions or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like in terms of the law, I like to follow that because I'm scared of people. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, that I understand. A little bit the the dynamic and why it's alluring to some folks. I mean, like someone like Bonnie and Clyde, I kind of get it. And in this movie, I kind of get why this woman turns to that life and finds it appealing. Not for me. Yeah, I would you no, and but I think for like. <laughs> You seemed surprised that I said no. Well, I was just surprised at the speed at which you (laughs) responded, like, and so strongly as well. Um, No, but I think, I think my objection to it is maybe slightly different than yours, which is, Mm. for whatever reason, I think I could maybe imagine a version of myself where being an outlaw running away from law enforcement is a thing that happened and I'm like rising to that occasion. I can kind of <laughs> maybe envision that. 
Um, sure. But what I uh, what it does seem to be a snowballing thing where like right you can't, like once like one thing goes wrong it tends to like escalate right as this movie indicates um, yeah but yeah. I guess my thing about the Bonnie and Clyde specific vibe that this thing was giving me was like I feel like that adds to the aspects of a relationship that I already often can struggle with in terms of like, where is my space? Where is my time? You're suffocating me. You know, like all this stuff. <laughs> but then if we're in this outlaw thing together, then all of that is even more intensified. You don't have like you don't have any time to yourself to just chill. Well, out. I am, imagine you have time to yourself because, like, I'm sure there's a way you can do that. But like, you and this other person are now like really and truly bound to each other, and right. like, like, what if, for example, your love fades, and then what? Like, you just separate they will, they will turn you in <laughs> right right I feel like, or I, feel, well, I mean there's there's so many things that could go wrong with it and I think that uh evidenced by I think I don't know if there's other examples of Bonnie and Clyde types where it's like obviously there are lots of stories of um couple to commit crimes together but a lot of times they're like worse stuff than like just bank robberies it's like murders and other things that get like a little hairier right but um so easily that person could turn on you that would be sort of that would be another thing I'd be worried about and maybe that's like trust issues on my part but like I would be concerned if things got bad like they I might get turned on and be like they'll use me to you know turn me in and then they get some type of deal right right I don't know. yeah I mean maybe that's a crazy thought in just I mean and then there are other considerations that are like more just like what would it be like to be you know like an outlaw in general which is like can you stay in one place longer than a night can you like do you no, always I don't like have any to, of the stuff that goes along with it? Yeah, like do you have to be looking over your shoulder all the time? Like you know all this stuff. No, I don't think any of that sounds fun. Like I really, I I know why. Again, I I do understand the adrenaline, and for some people who are like adrenaline junkies or you know like thrive in chaos. Yeah, <laughs> I could see why that's alluring. I live my life to relax. <laughs> like I. The, my goal of every day is to get to, like, the relaxing part or the enjoyable, like, downtime part. Right. I don't need to have that, like, adrenaline going all times of the day. Not being able to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Not knowing when, like, someone's going to bust into your room. That was another thing in this movie in particular. Right. They, like, didn't – not that this matters, but, like, anytime they were, like, having a quiet moment, almost – Every single time, so they, yes. their room got Something busted get, into, or they yes. had to run away. Yes, yes. yeah. There's not a lot so of downtime 
In a I life like of that. crime. I don't like any, any type of life <laughs> where there's no downtime. Well, fair enough. Well, That does not do well for me. Well, that's a good starting point. Welcome, everyone, to See You <laughs> Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And so, Amy, why don't you reveal what we're going to be discussing today? Yeah, we are talking about a movie from 2011 that I'd literally never heard of. And a lot of the things we talk about on this, I've never heard of before. But this one, I was sort of surprised I'd never heard of. I am surprised you hadn't heard of it. Because it seems a little bit more mainstream. It's got more mainstream people in it. Um, But it it is the 2011, I don't know if it was a hit or not, called In Time. I would say um, it was a hit in the sense that the budget was $40 million and then the worldwide gross was $174 million. Um, oh, wow. So it certainly more than performed it economically. But it wouldn't yeah. surprise me that it... Because, like, in the U.S., like, the U.S., it didn't even make $40 million. It Like, it made its money overseas. Overseas. That um, I kind of believe because... Yeah. And maybe that's why I've not heard of it, but... 2011 what was I doing I feel like I would have known about yeah I've definitely I I definitely remember this coming out in the sense like I remember really as you do of like oh I remember that being on like the side of buses you know and like Mm, stuff like that but I had never seen it and And I certainly on the side of bus movie yes with yes uh, it was like one of those ones that was splashed all over you know, any yeah, sort of cityscape. Um, mm-hmm. But I never saw it at the time. So that promotional effort was wasted on me. Um, and <laughs> and clearly wasted. And clearly me. On most everybody in the United States. But it seems to have paid off um, at, the, at the kind of world box office place. I think also the thing that is, and we'll talk more about this, is like, this was when the, one of the protagonists was at his, like, peak of fame. That's another reason why I'm surprised I'd not heard of it. Yeah. Because at first when I saw he was in it, I kind of I kind of thought, okay, he's going to be in this, but he's not, like, the star. And then I quickly realized, and like, no, he that He was the star. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was building up to this stardom. But anyways, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about kind of um, what the backstory to this movie is. So first of all, I was surprised to realize that this was released on October 28th, 2011. So it is a Halloween movie in some way. Hmm. Um, which, I mean, I guess really this could have been released at any time of year, I think. I don't, yeah, like, it's it not, doesn't. Yeah. Uh, the premise, while unusual, is not like, like it's this is not sci-fi horror by any stretch of the no, imagination. No. Um, in terms of some things that I thought you might be interested in, um, so this is a movie by Andrew Nichol, who we've already seen a movie by him, which is Gattaca. I would say they had similar vibes in yes. a certain way. Yes, and in and specifically. Um, when I was reading about this movie, the kind of retro futurism as captured in this movie is very similar to what we see in Gattaca in terms of like the cars 
looking old, but also mm-hmm. kind of futuristic, um, like mm-hmm. having this world that on the one hand looks very similar to the world of 2011, while simultaneously having elements that are quite uh, futuristic. Um, yeah. And Andrew Nichol himself refers to this movie as the bastard child of Gattaca, um, which <laughs> is weird, but I, I get it. Like, I do understand. Um, because, well, because both huh. deal with this notion of, like, the haves and the have-nots and, right. like, Darwinism. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot a little bit thing. of the... Oh, yeah. So that, it has similar themes, but, like, whereas in Gattaca, what distinguishes people is their genetic material. In this movie, it's about access to time as the dividing mm-hmm. kind of line. Um now, for right. some people, you might think this concept of, like, that everything in the future, is like, that all value is tied to time rather than money. Um, perhaps you feel like you've run across that before, and you wouldn't be wrong. Um, this movie is not based on any particular previous existing um, intellectual property, But it does have similar themes to a number of things that have come out in the past, such as um, one of the earliest is a short story that appeared in the sci-fi magazine Tales of Tomorrow in 1952. There was a short story called Time to Go. Um, Then there was a short story written by Harlan Ellison in 1965 called Repent Harlequin, Said the TikTok Man. Um, and we'll follow up on that no. because that also inspired a bit of a lawsuit toward this movie. Um, mm. In 1976, uh, the movie Logan's Run, which is based on a book of the same name, basically that has the element of like when you reach a certain age, your life is over kind of thing. That's what Logan's oh. Run is a bit about. Oh. Um, okay. Then a similar short film came out in 1987 called The Price of Life. And then finally, a short cartoon about time, which was released in 2008. So all of these things involve kind of the theme of you can only, your own society only permits you to live to a certain age and or time has now become a commodity in the future. Like all, all of those mm-hmm. involve various things like that. In terms of the Harlan Ellison story from the 60s, um, when he became aware of this movie uh, in time, he launched a lawsuit. Um, I don't know if it would have been like personally directed at Andrew Nichol or just at the movie itself. Um, and the reason that he did this is because in his story, Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man. In the story itself, the TikTok man is actually... At someone who's referred to as a timekeeper. And mm. that is what um, the basically the police in this movie are called timekeepers. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like the lawsuit, because it was eventually dropped. And it sounds like what happened is like he had someone had told him, oh, they're using the word timekeeper in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it seems similar. Mm-hmm. Like, the timekeeper in this movie seems to play a similar role as the TikTok man timekeeper in your story. And so he was like, oh, they mm-hmm. they took that from me. 
Um, but then I guess when he saw the yep. movie, he decided that, you know, I don't, this is nothing and I don't need to worry about it. Um, <laughs> I don't care about your stupid movie. It's well, and it's good, interesting so too, because just... at one point I, when I was reading about this lawsuit at, at one point, um, they were offering to give him some sort of credit. Uh, hmm. and if they had, he probably would have gotten some money from it um but in the end he dropped it then yeah so he saw the movie so i think he was like i saw the movie i thought it wasn't good so i don't want my name associated with this so yeah like i don't even um, want someone to think that i that there's anything that is similar and i do think that one of the questions we can consider today is is this a bad movie or not like i'm not sure Hmm. I found myself wondering that a lot because like I think really? I'm, I'm comfortable with saying it's not a good movie but which is so funny because it's actually one of like <laughs> it's actually one of the few that I I wasn't like struggling to get through I was right. like pretty and not to skip to the end but I was pretty engaged throughout and that's usually a tall order for me in it the is. stuff that we watch It absolutely is and and we'll, and so I guess this like leaves me leads me to the final bit of stuff about this. So like when this came out, most the critical response was pretty mixed um, mm-hmm. because most everyone uh, was like, yeah, the idea is cool, the cast is good, the look of the thing is good, like the good production value, like all these things. But at the end of the day, I'm still not sure this is good is basically what mm-hmm. the kind of critical response was. And that's kind of how I felt, too, yeah. where I was like, I don't regret the how long was the running time? It was about an hour 48. Yeah. Like, I don't regret the hour 48 that I spent watching this thing. But I'm, I find myself being like, but was it any good? Like, I don't really know. Um, and I guess the yeah, fact that I don't know the answer fair. to that question maybe is the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, it's not a great question to have to ask yourself when you're watching something and be like, is this good what I'm watching? <laughs> right. Well, because for a while I was like, is this, have we gotten into the realm of bad movie where it's like kind of so bad I've now like gone through the wormhole and I like it, you know, like. Oh, and the problem oh, is, I think is, it was that bad. Well, kind of, but the thing, the thing that kept it That's from so interesting, the thing that kept it from being that bad was that it was well put together. And so then I was like, so yeah. it can't even get to that place where you're like, okay, like that. This has like, and I guess what what happens to me with a movie like this is. that maybe people who are smarter than me would say it's bad because they're like, this story doesn't make sense and this this part didn't match up with that part. When you get into these types of, when I watch movies like this, I end up getting kind of lost. (laughs) Sure. In In the idea of like what everything means. So I'm not even, I can't even necessarily track if something makes sense in this world or not. Oh, I see. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense that he 
you know what I mean? Like, it makes sense that he only has a day to live every day, always. Like, it did, I don't even question that because, like, I'm not even sure I get it. Right. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I <do. laughs> I'm too stupid to even think that it's bad, I guess, is the basic gist. I'm no, saying. that's, I mean, no. I think those are two slightly separate concerns um because yeah i i also am not much of a stickler for you know the things that i find irritating sometimes is pe- when people say like well actually and it's always prefaced with that phrase well actually it's yeah. like well yeah. actually even in the world of this movie you couldn't jump up to that level of the roof you know like or whatever and it's like right what do you care like when why have you spent well yeah that definitely. and why have you spent time like mathematically working out whether or not this like could happen in the like i don't know because oh, people are here. nerds and will do that um, but here i'm just like there's so much stuff that like there's so much material that seems like it should be working and i guess maybe what i would say is it's working so hard and it's really not delivering a lot. Like it's not delivering yeah. with how much work is going behind it. Like you're like, oh, with this kind of cast yeah. and with this kind of money and with this kind of this, I would expect like something really quite special or something kind of interesting. Yeah. But what it, what's come out is just kind of a pretty basic like Bonnie and Clyde story. And that's what I mean about like when I was doing the yeah. outline and was remembering the beginning of the movie, I was like, the beginning of the movie seems like we're on a very different pathway than where the end totally. takes us. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay, well, that's weird. Um, so we'll get there. Um, some other useful information that I learned from the internet, which you would not have any clue based on the movie itself. Apparently, this is set in the year 2169. I definitely saw that in this outline and was like, I, I thought I tracked this movie pretty well. Like, I thought I was doing better in terms of, like, paying attention. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, damn, I really did miss that. Like, I don't... No, there's nothing in there that makes that clear at all. Yeah. So I don't know. So, yeah. So, because I got that information from Wikipedia. So I'm like, I don't even know, like, how that information is confirmed so that it appears on Wikipedia. Like, (laughs) it just is, like, it's set in 2169. Okay, fine. Um, Okay, I guess we have to go with it. But I think also it's probably wise to consider this as, like, this is not a movie where... In how many years is 69? 69 minus 23 is 49, 46. So I don't think what we're saying here is that in 146 years, we will get to what we see in this movie. I think we have to assume that this is like an alternate Earth with an alternate timeline. An alternate timeline. And this Mm -hmm. is where we've ended up in this Earth. I, I hope so because, yeah, I hope so because I think at the beginning of the movie, I mean, I guess we'll get there, but at the beginning I was sort of into the concept, like, <laughs> oh, I kind of, I kind of enjoy that money doesn't exist and we have this different thing. Right. But then by the end I was like, well, I guess it was maybe the first time I saw someone time out 
right. or dye. I was like, oh, well, maybe I don't like this. It doesn't look great. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I'm being able to exactly know. We've talked about this before, I think, too. Like, knowing exactly when you're going to dye it is off-putting. Yes. I mean, and the fact that it's on your forearm so that you can see yeah. all the time, like, every That's- second ticking down of your life, like... I, that is just existential, like that's existential napalm. Like you can't see that. And like like he said, he says at one point in the movie, and again, I will reiterate, I like downtime. And he (laughs) says at one point in the movie, like talking about like being poor. Right. You can never relax. You don't have a lot of time. Yeah. You don't have a lot of time to sleep in. He says, I think at one point. And it's like, that sounds horrible. Yeah, like, that's like one of my true joys in life is in. sleeping in. Yeah. And I don't even sleep late, but I don't like the idea of like someone telling me you cannot do that or like you don't have the time, the literal time to do that. That would Right, like I wouldn't like that. Can you imagine getting a cold in this world? Like you couldn't like take a nap and like spend the day just watching no. crappy movies while you improve. Like you have to like No, keep because doing what if you something. have Right, because what if you have 24 hours left? You have to somehow go out and, like, either either you let this be what lets you expire. You're like, I'm going to die from this cold. Or you have to, like, go out and, like, make get some more time. I wasn't even quite sure. Whatever. I guess it was yeah anyway yeah well we'll we'll get into it it started out seeming like a good concept and I by the end I was like I don't like this yeah well we'll get to it because we'll have many opportunities to discuss how this works but in terms of the cast we've already referred to him a bit um the main character is named Will Salas and that's played by a 30 year old Justin Timberlake um now I think we all know who Justin Timberlake is, so I don't think I need to technically (laughs) say, like, what his backstory is. But, of course, starts out as a child performer in the Mickey Mouse Club, then a teen performer and in sync. And um, he started to develop his film career basically around 2006. Uh, Like, if you look at his IMDb credits, that's where they really start to pick up quite a bit. Um, and just to Mm -hmm. place this in his like larger career, that's when the song Sexy Back came out was in 2006. Oh, that makes sense. Um, which also made me feel old as the hills. Um, yeah, that's gross. It's really quite rude. Um, and then. But also that song seems like really, really old at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a different time back then. Yeah, um, really a different time. So that's when he, so when his, I guess, because Sexy Back, I think maybe was on his first album. I can't totally remember. Um, but like, that's so that was right. his first peak of fame. He did a number of movies back then in 2006. And in those ones, he was much more, as you described, like um, like a supporting role in those and then by I mean he was sort of the lead in Friends with Benefits. I mean it was like Well, but that's the whole thing. Is Friends with Benefits uh comes out in 2011. And that's what I was just about to say is that oh. in 2011 he shows up in four movies in more sizable roles. He's in Social Net The Social Network, Friends with Benefits, Bad Teacher, mm. and this movie all in the same year. Mm. Um whoa. So he has this big banner year of like 
being like, now I'm a movie star as well. Um, and I then mean, all of those are, I mean, except for, with the exception of social network, which, you know, garnered uh, critical acclaim and whatnot. The rest of those right. are like pretty bad. I mean, I guess not, we won't talk They're about just, this one, but, but the other two are but like. But the thing is, yes, I see what you mean. Don't but like, get me friends wrong. With benefits. I've watched Friends with Benefits and I don't dislike it, but it's like crap also. <laughs> yeah, it's not, I mean, come on. But um, Friends with Benefits and Bad Teacher are the kind of movies that make you a movie star, though. Because, like, bunches of people will watch them. Um, That's very true. And and so what I was able to deduce from looking at his credits is that he kind of shows up to act every five to seven years. And he'll be, and it'll be like this. He'll be in, like, a few different things um, in a little, like, kind of spate and then he'll kind of go away for a while and come back um Mm -hmm. so we're about to come up on another set of stuff and in fact he's already done some things in the past year or so that have come out and it looks like there are like four new movies that he'll be in over the next couple years rolling out and you know what's I knew what's a little funny about that I saw recently was a, <laughs> it was, I don't know what this like podcast was or what, but I saw a clip and it was a podcast with AJ from the Backstreet Boys and Lance Bass mm. from NSYNC talking about like if they did a tour now, like both groups together as like a sort of reunion tour, but like both sure. of the groups together. And Lance was like, I think you know that I'm not the one you have to convince. I'm on board, but there's someone else you have to convince. And I have to assume, I think in I think in the interview they alluded that it was like JC or something, but it would have to be Justin well, Timberlake. He's I mean, I think... Way more famous than that. But the thing that I kind of could see is like he certainly couldn't do like the whole tour because he's got other shit yeah. he's doing. But I think he doesn't take himself so seriously... And at, at this point, like, Maybe those not. those days are so long ago. I I could see... I think that tour would fucking sell, like, crazy. I'm oh, it would. Like, it absolutely it, would. Yes, it would sell out, like, none other. But, like, I think, I think so. especially because now... With a doing, bunch of old ladies like us. <laughs> yes. And, and now, that's the thing, is, like, doing those kinds of things now has taken on a very different cachet from how it used to be, where it's like, look at these sad bastards yeah. trying to, like... Just make something happen. Now people really do love the nostalgia of it all. And so Mm -hmm. I could see him being... I I think Backstreet Boys just did do a tour last year. I think, yeah. So I could see him potentially being into it, but basically saying like, look, I can only do some of these dates because, you know, I I have like an actual career, like... Um, I <laughs> not like the rest of you losers. I, the one I think I wouldn't be surprised if the one that they had to convince was JC, for example. Maybe like, that is true. Because he were, maybe, maybe has really true. more bitterness or you know or something. Because he was yeah, a, it's possible. He was the one who was. It was always like him and Justin kind of battling That's each true. other almost. He, he was like. Of- yeah. They were the two featured guys. Because they were supposed to be like the pretty boys. Yeah, they were the yeah. two featured guys regularly in sync. And and I think he did also try and do some solo stuff, but it just had no nowhere near the success 
that Justin Timberlake yeah. had. So it was and like, wait a second, what group was Nick Lachey was in 98 Degrees now? I'm just yes, kind of, yes, he was, was in 98 he, Degrees. Okay, okay. That's correct. Okay. okay. Um, okay. Who okay. I think they probably also did a reunion thing. I think at I would this probably point. go to that. Um, so they didn't have as many songs though. I don't think. No, anyway. I would go to that because probably the ticket would be like 60 bucks. <laughs> like, It'd be cheaper. <laughs> and you'd go and you you'd be like some good nostalgia, but it's like yeah. not. It's you'd not go as for like, you'd go strictly for the vibe. Like what's all this yeah. all about? Like, I don't know any of your songs. Yeah. I don't, like no there's anything. definitely one that you do know. I oh, can't I'm think sure of right there's. Now, but I know I'm sure there is a song that I know of, of theirs. At <laughs> least. But I would I I'm would sure. struggle. I would not feel comfortable saying that I know two. That's where I'm at with 98 degrees. Yeah. Um. That's that's fair. So we'll see some more from him coming down the pipeline. That's very um, interesting. Yeah. Then we have a character called Sylvia Weiss, um, played by Amanda Seyfried, who was 26. Um, she started modeling at the tender age of 11 um, and then did soap operas for a while in her teen years, um, uh, both As the World Turns and All My Children she appeared on. Hmm. semi-regularly. I can picture that. Um, and then it basically seemed like she was doing soaps like through her teen years, through high school, and then she got into Fordham University, um, but then deferred going there for a year so that she could do Mean Girls. Um, what a, just what a, just what a life. Like, I know. Truly. Already I your know. life is great. Already your life like, is I great. I am fully aware that that does, like having a life like that doesn't protect you from, you know, some horrible things happening. But like that is literally. I don't know how such a thing <laughs> could happen to a person. It's wild. It's really, really wild because. Like, it's just really a strange, strange life. I mean, it's, I I just, like, have no words for it. Just imagining being like, let me just, like, not go to college for a year because I got this, like, incredible, like, incredible movie I have to do first. I know. Like, whoopsie. I know. I know. And then that... And what she can't have known, like what she would have... And being in soaps throughout high school. I mean, that alone is also very strange. I know. But like what she can't have known is like, you know, at that time when Mean Girls was being filmed and then came out, like Tina Fey was popular, but she wasn't that popular. Like, oh, yeah, she definitely didn't... No, she definitely didn't know it was going to turn into sort of like... The juggernaut, I would say that it yeah. did, obviously yeah. not. Yeah. But still, she's like, I'm going to go do a movie with Lindsay Lohan, was pretty. Yeah. Oh, uh, that would have been the big deal for time. sure. And, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you knew, you might not have known how it was going to go, but you knew it was going to be a popular movie because Lindsay Lohan was in it. Like, yeah. Um, so that's her life. Um, she also... I mean, I want to hate her really bad. I know. I know. Um, but, and yet she somehow turns... I mean, I don't know. She's, 
like a genuinely good actress and seemingly always was, which is also yet another reason you might want to hate a person. Um, yeah. She actually already had been by this point. She'd already been in a movie with Justin Timberlake back in 2006 in this movie Alpha Dog, um, which I, hmm. that I remember watching in the theater for some godforsaken reason. Um, <laughs> and then she played uh, Veronica Mars's dead best friend, Lily, and Veronica Mars. Um, she, of course, then went on to do things such as Mamma Mia and the movie about Linda Lovelace called Lovelace. And most recently, she played Elizabeth, is it Elizabeth Holmes? Um, in the dropout. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and She's it, also been in a couple of like horror movies that yeah. I've watched that I like. Yeah, so I, I don't I mean, think... she's in a lot of stuff. She's been yes. in a lot more stuff than just that, but... Yeah, she no, she has a great career, I would say, and so we can just expect to see more from her coming down the track. Um, then yeah. we have a character named Raymond Leon, um, or Leon, people seem to be pronouncing it differently in this movie, depending on who they were. Um, and that's played by a 35-year-old Killian Murphy, um, who is an Irish actor, whose breakout role was in a movie that I, I wonder if you've ever seen, because I think this is a horror one, 28 Days Later. I haven't seen it. I think maybe I've seen I think it's a zombie one. It's a vampire zombie, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel like I've seen parts of it. I've seen clips of it, but I don't think I've actually ever seen it. Yeah, I I know. I just Is know it exists. Guy, he's the timekeeper guy. Yes. Yeah. I just know it exists. Okay. I've never seen it before. Um, he is yeah. also, if you saw like some of the more those recent Christian recent ish anyway, I should say Christian Bale Batman movies, um, like Dark Knight, Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises, that one. He plays the Scarecrow in that. Um, so he is a Batman villain. I haven't seen any of those, but... He's in that. Um... I can see that. He has a very villainy face. Yeah. Oh, he's really good as Scarecrow. Honestly, he's really good at that. He's scary looking. There's something about him. I don't know what it is. There's something off-putting, because also he's in a movie, which I know I've seen at least once, called Red Eye. Yeah. His... Have you ever seen the movie Red Eye? That's another... That's like a horror movie in a plane... With Rachel McAdam, I want to say. (gasps) Yes, I have seen it. (laughs) I don't know that I ever finished it, but I did. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, so he's the bad guy in that. He's the villain in that. Yeah, he looks like a bad guy. Because he's got that look of, like, he could look nice. But he's sort of got, like, the Ted Bundy effect, I guess, where it's like... Do I want to trust this guy? Like, he looks kind of nice, but there's something a little bit dead behind the eyes. Yeah, he just has maybe, maybe it's like, how would I put it? Like an intensity that seems to be like lurking under, underneath somehow, like just barely concealed sort of thing. Yeah. Um, That Mm -hmm. makes him look concerning. Like he could go, like he could be, he go from like zero to a psychopath like pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So he plays villains and if not outright villains, like people like in this movie where you're like, I'm not sure 
like I I don't think I like you kind of characters. <laughs> um, so he's in a, he was in Inception, he was in Tron Legacy, um, and especially like most recently, if you would have run across him, you would have run across him in that TV show Peaky Blinders, which is another one that I've heard of but never seen. Yeah, I've never seen that. Um, and then but he's final, Irish. He has an Irish accent in real life. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's born in Ireland. Oh, that would so probably make him seem less creepy. Okay. That would make him seem less. Yeah, I would think that would make him seem a lot less scary if he talked like that. Yeah, <laughs> because a good accent just lulls you into a false sense of security. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess so. I always think of like, you know, sometimes when I hear of like murders or bad crimes in other countries, I'm like, yeah, but they had that cute accent. How could they be a murderer and have Well, that that's accent? like, what was that? TV show with Jillian Anderson and Jamie Dornan. Was that The Fall? Did you ever oh, see I don't that? Know. That one? Uh-uh. I don't know who. If you're a true crimey person, you might like it because Jamie Dornan, who is an Irish actor, the the show is set in Ireland and it's he plays a serial mm-hmm. killer. And oh. you know, like it is one of those things where you're like He's handsome. He's got this good accent. But I, as the viewer, you know he's a serial killer from the start. And you're just like, or at least for me, I was like, this is so weird because, like, I don't want to believe, even though I'm seeing, like, they're depicting him doing terrible things to women. And I'm like, but I don't want to believe that this handsome man with a good accent <laughs> would do these kinds of things. Yeah. No, totally. There is something about, there is something about the accent where you're like, nah, like couldn't possibly. Yeah, I don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the final character we need to know about is a character named Philippe Weiss. So that is the father of Sylvia, and that's played by a 32 year old Vincent Carthizer, who, um, I did not know this, but apparently started out as a child actor. Um, I didn't really recognize him from any of the hmm. things he was in. Um, but then he went on to be a series regular in the TV show Angel, which is, of course, the spinoff from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, oh, yeah. He also was in the movie Alpha Dog with both Amanda Seyfried and Justin Timberlake. Um, hmm. More recently, what you would, what anyone might have recognized him from, although I can't remember when Madman was shooting... But he plays a character called Pete Campbell on Mad Men. Yeah, um, that's so what that's I recognize probably him where from. We, yeah. Um, and I thought in a funny turn of events, now he is currently playing the Scarecrow, uh, which his co-star Killian oh. Murphy did, in a TV version, hmm. like a DC, character, uh, DC Universe TV version show called Titans. Um, hmm. So overall... A lot of like crossover across these various yeah people and in their he's careers. He's got sort of a smarmy way about him too. He does. Yeah, I thought he did a great job playing this uber privileged, horrible white guy. Yeah, he's very believable as that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be because he might be that. But uh, like, probably um, yes, but he's very believable as that. Yes. Um. Now. To lead into this movie, I've just said the ages of all the main characters in this movie. 30, 26, 35, 32. 
But in the world of this movie, no one can be physically over the age of 25. Now, now that part I do like. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, like, and I'll be honest, like, I didn't catch on to the, I read this before. I didn't catch on to this video. So, like, there were some things that, that they, like, specifically say in this that I didn't catch on till much later in the movie. But, um, like, specifically that 25 thing. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, no, the, I do like the idea on. of the body stopping aging at 25. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? I just um, like that. But there are some potential questions that will come out of this. Now, do you... Yes, yes, there's there's problems yes. that may arise, but I still selfishly... No, I mean, like I think... I stop that process. One of the things that becomes apparent is like... And also, you like, we don't know exactly how this began like what happened yeah but it does make sense that if someone were able to stop the aging process they probably would pick like oh 25 because that's like when you're physically the strongest like most perfect whatever best version and and it's also like far enough yeah and you're far it's far enough away from like um maturity where it's not like too creepy like, not everyone's just, like, you stop the process at 18. Right. Or something like that. Right. That's a little, like, ooh, that's questionable. But 25 feels like a nice... Like, you're an adult. adult. <laughs> yeah, you're an adult yeah. in some senses of that word. Um, yeah. Now, do you <laughs> want to read the voiceover that we start with that, again, no title cards. That I missed. No title cards yeah. to be had here, but this is all the information no. we as the viewer get about this world. Do you want to yeah. read it out? Yeah, I'll read it, even though I didn't hear it when I was watching the movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> that was a problem. Um, I don't have time. I don't have time to worry about how it happened. It is what it is. We're genetically engineered to stop aging at 25. The trouble is, we live only one more year unless we can get more time. Time is now the currency. We earn it and spend it. The rich can live forever. And the rest of us? I just want to wake up with more time on my hand, more time on my hand than hours in the day. Yes. I, that is, I fully missed that when watching this. Like, I just... I don't even know how you could because you read that in, like, the normal pace of someone reading... But in the movie, this takes like it was it, it said ninety really seconds. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I missed it. It was so slow that it wasn't like registering because as like important like sentences. Yeah, because what it is is like because I found myself getting not confused, but I was like, "What am I looking at?" Because it's doing this like slow zoom out as we're hearing Justin Timberlake's voice saying this voiceover. And when it's fun, and when maybe that maybe I was distracted by whatever visual. And <laughs> I don't when know. and when finally when the voiceover concludes, we have a full shot of his arm with all the seconds ticking down, and mm-hmm. he has it says something like twenty three fifty eight forty six or something, you know. So like you have less than mm-hmm. twenty four hours left. Um, I had a hard time. I'll be honest, but we can, we'll get, we'll get there. But like when they showed the time on people's arms, I had a hard time 
figuring out what was days, weeks, hours, like yes. minutes. I, yes. It got blundered to me. Yeah, I had the same. There were numerous times where I would have to go back and pause and really look at someone's arm. I was like, is that a thousand years? Right. Is that a thousand? What are we? Right. Yeah. Right. So when we finally get through this voiceover, we wake up and Will is there with his mom, Rachel. Rachel is played by Olivia Wilde, um, who actually, how old was she when this movie Probably about 25 or 26. Well, that's the thing is like they've chosen. I was thinking like, oh, this is also like a cool premise to have like the young, hot actors of a generation. Just have everybody who's young. We don't want any it. old ass people yeah. in this movie. Um, let's see. So she would have been exactly 25 because she was born in 1984. Um, wait, mm. is that right? So 84, that's 26. No, no that's wrong. She would have been 37. That Wait a second. Now I'm doing all kinds of stupid What's math. Going on? I'm doing no, stupid math. No, she wouldn't math. have been 37 because no, I was no, 16 plus 11 is 27. She was 27. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry um, for this math failure. Um, <laughs> so she was 27. Um, so yeah, like everyone in this cast, like actually, Killian Murphy is. The oldest, I guess. Um, Grandpa. And, I mean, I guess he could be 25. I don't know. Like, um... Yeah, I don't know what 25 looks like anymore. I definitely, I definitely don't. Um, but what I do know, (laughs) what I do know is that 27-year-old Olivia Wilde playing his mom, who's having her 50th birthday that day, um, is a very weird vibe. Like... It is. And I and even actually their whole vibe anyway. Was like, weird. Yes. Because yeah, because I he called her mom right away. And then like but then there was other stuff like just <laughs> the way they were touching each other felt very I like, know. intimate. I know. I was and having a it, I was it wasn't it yeah. wasn't Yeah, I know what you mean. I was having the same reaction. I was like well, and especially when we get to later and like he's looking for her. I don't know. Like, yeah, there was something weird. Yeah, well, when, well, he, like, that whole first scene, he, like, he says mom, he literally says mom right away, I think. And then the rest of the scene happens. And I did, I, like, had to look at Isaac and be like, wait, that's his his mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I had to, I had to check back in because I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure. And so, because they are like, because I guess, I don't know, like, they live together. I don't, I also don't know how this woman, like, I don't want to live the life of a criminal for many reasons. I don't want to live this life either because if she's gotten to 50, but literally every day from the time she was 26 to 50 is like, is a constant struggle. It's just like a day at a time. Like, yeah, no, I don't. What? I would give up. Like, I feel. I don't know. But no, Me too. This is what I'm saying. Like, the minute, like, you're, like, you one day you get up and you're like, I don't have the energy to be, like. Doing all of going this. Going out and, like, yeah. scrounging around for time for the rest of my time. Right. You know? like Yeah. So, anyway, it's the morning. They're getting ready to go out to their respective days. And it sounds like they've made some 
plan, I guess, to like meet up in the evening, I guess, because it's her birthday. So mm-hmm. then we follow um, Will to his job at some really shitty looking factory um, where he makes. I couldn't tell if that was a factory or a prison. <laughs> I mean, I think you could say they're both the same. Um, interchangeable. Um, but he, he seemed to be making those weird time cartridges at the factory. Oh, was that what, um, which we'll talk more about the time cartridge in time, but, um, he's got his friend play, uh, his, the friend's name is Burrell, but he's played by Johnny Galicki. Um, Mm-hmm. And they have to pay for their coffee with time. Um, and so it's five minutes. I was for like a slowly starting to get it here. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that's when I was like slowly, like, wait, what? What? Okay, okay. That's time is currency. Got it, got it. Like, even though it says, yeah, I was only slowly starting to get it. Well, and that's like, so the time cartridge is like this thing that you put your wrist into. And it, like, takes away time Mm -hmm. or adds time depending on what you are trying to do. So when you pay for something, you, like, slide your hand through a thingy and then it removes some time from your clock or whatever. And then when they get paid later in the day, you put your arm out again and it gives you some amount of time. Right. Um, so, so the, yeah, so it, the premise that time is currency is established extremely quickly and let's say in perhaps a bit of a ham-fisted sort of way. Um, <laughs> they then, Will and Burrell go to the bar at the end of the day. And what I thought was funny, like um, I was noticing in this scene before anything that of note really happens is like, all of the women are wearing like sequin dresses and like really intense, like quote unquote going out clothes. And I was like, well, yeah, if you're 25, mm-hmm. I, I guess I would. <laughs> like, Everybody can wear that. Just like yeah. always be wearing sequins every time I go out uh, of an evening. Um, but so then they're in this bar and there's a man there who, as I just I said in my outline, a mysterious and extremely handsome man is buying everyone drinks. Um, and he's kind of cavalierly waving his arm around, which shows that he's got over a century of time on his clock, mm-hmm. um, which Will actually comes up to him and is like, man, you are like not safe waving that amount of time around this group of people. So I guess it would be the same as if someone, I mean, nowadays this isn't even a thing that really happens anymore because nobody uses cash. But at one time, if you were like (laughs) out and you had like a bunch of $100 bills and you were just like cavalierly sort of like opening your wallet and not like letting everyone see, then potentially... Someone is going to do something to get that money from you, right? Right. um, So that's kind of the equivalent here. Um, Then a a gang known as the Minutemen show up. Um, 
and the whole bar clears out and they are there to steal this guy's time from him. Um, but Will helps him escape and brings him in the end to this warehouse where I thought it was strange because the warehouse is empty except it has two really fancy chairs set up in an empty room I was looking at each other and I was like what's this? Looking at each other. (laughs) Yes. I I couldn't stop thinking about that that whole scene. Like I didn't I, I mean, I let it go because I'm like, okay, whatever, movie, like, empty warehouse, like, whatever. But I was like, that is a nice-ass chair. Yes. What the hell is it doing in there? And Well, and it would be one thing to be like, oh, like, this is an abandoned building. Someone left this and clearly forgot about it. But then there's a second nice yeah. chair, <laughs> like, sitting opposite yeah. it. And I'm like what like I even wrote in my handwritten notes I was like why are there two chairs set up like where did this come from is this like I kept being like is the idea here that this is like a hangout that will yeah maybe maybe that is maybe but then yeah because that really did because when the first guy sat down I didn't think much of it but then when it was like they were going they're about to start having this conversation or he was going to sleep or whatever. And he sits down. He pulls up that big ass chair. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> it's like a room full of nothing except for two very high end chairs. Like I'm like, this is just <laughs> very weird. I don't know what's happening. But in the context of this very weird scenario, the man reveals that his name is Henry Hamilton and that he is 105 years old. Now this guy also is an actor you would recognize. This is Matt Bomer who's gone on to be in a variety of yeah. different things. Um he basically yeah. is like a professional professional handsome guy. Um Yeah, I was going to say he's professional cute guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh like he is and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before but like the good-looking guy uh song from Boy Meets World all those years ago. <laughs> He's that guy. It's about him. Um, yeah. So he... Ryan Murphy loves him. I think he's in like a lot of Ryan Murphy stuff. That doesn't surprise me at all. And he's good. I mean, he's a good actor yeah. on top of being shockingly good looking. Um, <laughs> and sorry, ladies, he's gay also in real life. Just FYI. Um, oh, yeah. Well. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I'm like someone that good looking almost... 90, I mean, almost 100% of the time is gay. That is just the nature <laughs> of that in my experience. Um, pretty, so anyway. Mathematical equation. Uh, anyway, he says that he's from the town of New Greenwich. Um, and as a New Yorker, I'm sure you got the reference there pretty quickly. Um, and he said that he is tired of living uh, which is kind of, I'm surprised because like when we meet Philippe and these other super rich types, it seems as though they maybe have been alive for like at least 200 years, if not longer. And this guy say, is already sick of being alive. Say? 
I don't think they really... I think particularly when it's Philippe, they, they're very cagey about how long he's been around. Yeah, because he's probably been... Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess that... I mean, people being sick of being alive, I guess, is sort of a individual experience, right? Right. Like, like people... You could get sick of it sooner rather than later whereas someone else might be like yeah i'm i need 400 years to yeah. be sick of it or I'm whatever game. yeah exactly um but he at the relatively young age of 105 has desired decided he's tired of living um and unsurprisingly will solace uh who has been scrounging for days at a time is like i cannot understand that at all um, and then Henry yeah. says this phrase that will become important, which is for a few to be immortal, many must die. And that gets Will's attention. And he's like, what are you talking about? And Henry sort of chuckles. He's like, you just don't even understand like the world that you're living in. Um, and then he explains like, do you really think in this world of finite resources any everyone could be allowed to be alive indefinitely, like um, while simultaneously still having kids. It has some pressure points well. even now. Like, I will say, yeah. Well, I actually yeah. found uh, like when I was someone asked me, as always happens, someone asked me this week, like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm talking about this movie in time." And they were like, "Oh, I've seen that movie," <laughs> and I was like, "Really? Wow. Okay." Um, <laughs> But what I was saying in the context of this conversation, I was like, you know, the thing is, this is such a current kind of feeling movie in the sense of how it's like so anti-millionaire and so anti-the rich. Like, yeah, I don't remember there yeah. being much sentiment like that in 2011. Like... Um, although there was the That's Occupy true. Wall Street Or if there was, I wasn't like, aware of it. I, I think this, right. as, as with a lot of the more recent stuff we've watched, like, if this had come out even a little bit later, I think it might have had better kind of, like, performance within the, uni- within the U.S. anyway. Like, um, yeah. because yeah. I think now something like this would really hit in a very different way than it did 11 yes. years ago. Yeah. Um, because basically what this guy is saying is like, look, um, the world has the resources it has. And there are some of us who will be able to enjoy those resources indefinitely. But mm-hmm. the rest of the world will have to die for that to happen for us. Right. Like, um, and so basically mm-hmm. he kind of is like, I can't believe you've not worked this out. Like no, people kind of live with the illusion of immortality, which keeps them going, but they will only ever actually live, you know, probably what we might call, they might live like a normal lifespan. Although it did yeah. seem like his mom living to 50 did seem like surprising. And so maybe yeah. that is older than what people are supposed to have hit in this world. I don't really know. 
Um, Maybe. But 50 is kind of like median age. Like, Well, but in our not, world... It's not very old for dying. No, no, it isn't. That's what I was going to say. In our world, to die at 50 would be considered relatively unusual. Um, like you right. wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, oh, this is a tragedy because they barely lived a life. You'd be like, you would have to say something like, well, at least they got like a good run, you know, but, um, yeah. it's still unusual, like quite unusual actually yeah, to die at 50. So I don't know, like, we don't know what that quote unquote average lifespan is for someone who's poor in this world. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, we know that the rich people clearly can live, like, 100 years or more. But what we don't know is, like, what is the expectation for somebody who's, like, going from day to day? We don't know that. Um, right. The, they, yeah. So this is, this is the conundrum. Um, they go to bed on their two respective fancy chairs. And before... <laughs> I mean, the chair thing was just, I was like, what are they doing there? Like, please explain. It was um, distracting. It was a little distracting. Yeah. Um, so before Will wakes up, Henry transfers all of his time to Will except for five minutes. And then mm -hmm. when Will wakes up, he wakes up to a message written in the dust in the window that says, don't waste my time. I mean, there were a lot of like... <laughs> I don't know if they're jokes per se, but there was quite a lot of like puns and wordplay about time yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Henry goes out and sits on a bridge and waits to time out. Um, can you explain what the phrase time out means in this land? Yeah, die, basically. Right. I mean, you watch the your time... I don't know if we have really explicitly say it, said it, but that their time, there's like a counter on their forearm and you basically watch it click down to zero and then you just like look like what, like a heart attack. I yeah, guess. it looks <laughs> like, like you have like a heart attack. Look like they've been like. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and then he just I, falls off the bridge. Because to me, yeah, it looks like it's a violent death because to me, I'm like, oh, if your time runs out, then you should just, like, take your last breath and then just, like, slump over. Like, um, yeah. but every person... But it looks like it is, like, a hit to the chest or Yeah, because every person, like, raises their chest out when they die and then collapses. Yeah. So it looks very much like they yeah. have a heart attack. In his case, because he's sitting yeah. on this bridge, he falls into the water below. Um, and I think think doesn't will sort of like get there too late or like he tries to stop him yeah uh, i think he's there like maybe i don't know if he's right as he falls or he are he's already fallen but yeah um, so he's too late yeah so now will has this like century on his arm in his time clock and he goes over to his friend burrell's place um, where he runs in first to Burrell's wife, Greta, who is played by, where's her name? Um, oh, her name, isn't that Yaya from yes. um, America's yes. Next Top Model? 
know her last yes, name. Yes, good though. work. Yaya, Yaya DaCosta. And I was one, I was trying to remember because I was like, I know she's a reality TV person. I just don't remember which show she was from. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, she was on like one random season of uh, America's Next Top Model that I watched for a while. And I, she turned into like an actress, which was kind of fun. Cool. Well, so she's there. Um, mm-hmm. She and Burrell have just had a baby. Um, and this is where we get another bit of the rules around this life cycle that they have, which is from zero to 25, you just get that time. Like no clock is running on you by then. Um, and yeah, you can't. This is also another part I didn't understand until later in the movie. <laughs> and you can't. When you're under 25, you can't give your time to anybody else either. Oh, interesting. You can... Like, you couldn't... Like, because there's also that weird you can street take child. Yeah, you there's can, that like, weird bank it. street child. Right, that's yes. what I was thinking about. Yes. Yeah. So you can bank time for the future, but you can't mm. give anyone your anything of your 25 years. Hmm. Okay. Because, well, because that's the whole thing, because later on, even just 10 years is, like, so much time in this, like, in this district. Right. Well, but I'm wondering, and my question would be to the movie, do people in this world die of natural causes ever? Like, would a child ever die of, like, a disease? Um... Yeah, they don't clarify that. I'm going to have say that probably they haven't, like, totally gotten rid of leukemia. Eradicated you know, like, disease. Um, <laughs> yeah. So even though you've been genetically engineered to stop aging at 25, I don't know that they've also screened out every other possible, like, thing that could go wrong in a in a life prior to 25. Yeah. Right? Like, because that's the other thing right. that I would ask and then as what well. If, like, so what if... Go on. What? Sorry. You, what other thing would you... Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, oh. I would ask, because the other part of that question would be, like, what if I am I have, like, a century to live, but I get a disease? Is my clock going right. to... Is the clock going to be affected by that? Or... Or will I just always I, have this disease now? Like, forever? Ooh, that's a good question. Or is it going to kill me before this time goes out, but I can give my time away? I don't know. Like, I'm curious what the... Right. And then the other thing that I was thinking about is, like, so we now know that the human brain doesn't even really fully develop until at least 25. Um, But really, Mm -hmm. you could be sure it was fully formed by, like, 30. So I'm like... So this is a society of people whose brains haven't fully matured. Is that also like something or or are we to understand that like even though the body hasn't aged, the mind continues right. to grow and mature? That I don't know what the answer is. And then a related question to that when you were just talking about like physical chronic conditions. I was also like, "Oh, but like your 20s, your early 20s often are when if you've got like um, a mental health issue, that's usually when it presents for the first time, like schizophrenia right. or bipolar or borderline personality. 
Like most of that presents in your early 20s. So then like, do I want like another hundred years of being (laughs) schizophrenic? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, so there's lots of obviously like. I guess you could choose. I guess you could. Yeah, there's some things that need to be ironed out with this system. Yeah, because all we know is that they've been genetically engineered to make it to 25. We haven't really learned much else other than that. Yeah. Um, And it's clearly like, unlike in the case of Gattaca, where the genetic engineering was also like meant to make you good looking and stuff. Like Burrell exists. Burrell is not good looking. So like... (laughs) That's not what's happening. So I don't know if they are, if they're screening out diseases or other types of concerns. Um, now, in this case, uh, Will finds Burrell. This is yet another, we've talked about this before. Even in the future of an alternative world, an ugly man can have Yaya da Costa as his wife. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's not really believable. Let's be real. Yeah. But I guess it doesn't matter Anyway, um, <laughs> Will is basically, he's decided uh, that he's going to go to New Greenwich with his mom now that he has this time, but he d- decides to give Burrell 10 years as a gift. So he does that, and um, I thought it was funny because then Johnny Galecki's looking around and he's like, well, I guess uh, I should go out. You know, like, because yeah. uh, he's got this 10 years. Um, meanwhile, this is where things really start to take a turn in this film because um, Will's mom, Rachel, is coming back from whatever place she just was spent, where she had spent the day. And she now only has, like, an hour and a half left on her clock. Mm-hmm. But the bus back home costs two hours. So she She can't. She did not plan that well. Uh, Yeah. And so this is what's wild. So then the bus driver says, well, then you better run back to wherever you're supposed to meet your son. Well, because I think like the feeling, because she said something. Oh, that's what she said. She's like, to get back to where I need to go, it, co- it takes two hours to walk there. And I don't, and I don't mm-hmm. have two hours, right? And he's like, well, then you better run. So basically, get there faster. That's another thing about this movie. That was another thing I said at one point, and it was closer to the end. But I was like, if you want to live in this time period, you got to be in motherfucking shape. Because they yes. are running a lot well, that's the whole thing is like, so, and I started thinking this in this scene. So Rachel literally does start running to the place where she's arranged to meet Will later. Mm-hmm. Um, and she starts running, running, running. So in this world, this woman who is uh, technically 50, has the body of a 25-year-old, so she can just run for 90 minutes apparently, at, like, top speed. Full-ass speed. Um, 
in a dress. Right. And also later, Amanda Amanda Seyfried is. Oh, don't even all over get me started on those shoes. Those shoes she wears <laughs> and is supposedly running all over the place. I'm like, this is crazy. Absolute crazy. insanity. Like there is no way yeah. a person could do this. But in this case, it's she does literally crazy. I think Olivia Wilde is just wearing like, you know, like little low top white sneaker she may have even taken off her shoes by like by oh the time. i think she did i think you're right she took off her shoes so she could start running and now i think later in the movie they explain that people who are in this level of poverty often run everywhere because they don't have time like they don't want to <laughs> even take the time right. that it would take to walk a place if they could run a place yeah you know another reason so i, I guess this helps world I know. I guess this helps, though, when it comes to needing to run at full speed for 90 minutes. <laughs> when you're about to die. <laughs> uh, so that's what she's doing. And um, it's very cinematic, unsurprisingly. They're, like, almost in touch with each other, and she literally has her heart attack or whatever. She times out and falls into her son's arms. Um mm-hmm. And so basically, um, this embitters uh, Will, and he, he's got a plan for like how he's going to use this time now. In the meantime, mm-hmm. Henry's body is fished out of the river by the timekeepers. And this is yet another thing that I didn't understand when they mentioned it at first. They're like, what is he doing in this time zone? And yeah, they're like, oh, he must have been slumming it, whatever. And then one of the timekeepers, which I didn't know anybody's name amongst the timekeepers. It no. turns out this guy is Jaeger is his name. So timekeeper Jaeger okay. says like, well, what if he let himself time out? And Leon, scary Leon, um, is like, <laughs> no, no one would ever do that i refuse to believe that this is a suicide basically um Mm -hmm. so so they immediately go on the search for whoever took his time in the meantime Mm -hmm. will somehow finds i couldn't tell if what he had done but he gets this fancy car with a driver Mm -hmm. and maybe it's henry's car i'm not i didn't quite catch it but like I thought it was like an uber or a taxi it did seem like that and he's like take me to New Greenwich and this is when the time zone thing comes out because it shows like between each district there are checkpoints and at each checkpoint it costs Mm -hmm. an amount of time to leave one zone and enter another so to leave Dayton costs one month um, to enter into zone eight costs two months. And then finally, when he gets to New Greenwich, he has to pay a year to enter into the district. Um, and this is when we get a lovely little line where he basically says, because like the driver's like, what are you going to do now that you're here? And Will's response is, I'm going to make them pay. Um, though it's mm-hmm. unclear how. Um, yeah. yeah. And this is when, when he arrives finally in New Greenwich and gets to a fancy hotel, he at first, when he's on the street, starts running. And then he realizes that no one else is doing that. Um, 
when he gets to this fancy hotel, he also stands out because he's ordered some food and he's like scarfing it down real fast as well. (laughs) Um, And so when he finishes his meal and he's tipping his server, she says to him like, you re- if you want to fit in here, you need to slow down. Um, and basically, I guess what that is like is a bit like when he warned Henry about like you're flashing your time around too much. Here they're like, y- people are going to think you stole mm-hmm. that time because you're acting like someone who doesn't have a lot of it, you know, um, and you need to relax. Now she's right because no sooner does he start running around in New Greenwich that the timekeepers catch him doing that on like um, CCTV, and they're and Leon is like, "This is the guy who took Henry's time. I'm sure of it." Meanwhile, mm-hmm. good old JT decides he wants to go to the casino. Um, it costs a year to get in to the casino. Um, and he decides to play no limit poker, um, against Mm -hmm. Philippe. And he eventually wins. I wasn't sure exactly how much he won, but I think he wins like a thousand years. Me neither. Um, yeah, something like that. And... In the process of playing this game, this is when Philippe starts talking about survival of the fittest and Darwinism and, like, you know, those of us who have time are inherently, like, the better examples of humanity. And that's just how nature always intended it, is that, like, you know, resources are scarce. And so we're the ones who are better suited to get them. Um, Now, no sooner Mm -hmm. does he finish this weird speech about how nature works and how we shouldn't disrupt the natural order, Sylvia shows up and sits down next to him without saying anything. And he says, yeah, isn't it confusing now? You don't know whether she's my mother, my wife, or my daughter. And I was, and I was like, Yuck. that is like uniquely unnatural. So he's like busy talking about yeah. like, don't upset the natural order while simultaneously he is sitting next to a disruption of the natural order like um yeah and also that's a gross thing to say yeah it was I mean but it (laughs) is very as we now sadly know I mean it's true when Trump said like that weird shit about his own daughter and how much hotter she was than everyone it's like there are I guess this is the whole thing is like I don't just to be clear, men are creepy. I'm not suggesting that <laughs> Trump actually wants to have sex with his daughter, and I'm not suggesting that this character actually wants to have sex with his daughter. But I think that there is a type of man who Yuck. derives how would I say, like prestige or something from knowing that his daughter is quote unquote hot. Well, I think it's like a weird, gosh, if I was going to like psychoanalyze that, what I would say would be it's some weird extension of like their own, (laughs) their own seed being desirable, if that makes sense. Well, yes, it's like definitely narcissistic because it's like my kids, my kids are an extension of myself 
And so, yeah. so they're not really even real beings on their own. They're just an extension of me. Right. They reflect on me. People think things about me because Which of Which is them. why it's creepy. Yeah. And so if yeah. I've got a hot daughter, I mean, I, maybe they would also Ugh. say, maybe they would get equal pleasure out of having a hot son. I don't really know. But it's Ugh. like there does seem. <laughs> I don't like the thought of any of it. <laughs> it's all pretty gross. Um but yeah, but I'm just saying, like, this is why I think there are parts of this movie that are really on point, and I'm surprised that they haven't reappeared in other ways in other things, um, because mm-hmm. it does really seem to be that there's a type of banker or Wall Street tycoon or whatever, Ew. this type of guy who really is like, my daughter better be hot, you know, at like. And if she isn't, and you know what else that type of guy is, I hate that type of guy. Well, yeah, I like (laughs) I said, it is not. I don't think it's like normal, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I think that is there, and that certainly seems to be what's going on in this weird interchange. Um, Yeah, this is, however, like it seems as though Sylvia takes a liking to Will. Right away, so because she invites him to a party at their home. Um, when mm-hmm. Will arrives at this party, then we get a kind of callback to this weird thing that Philippe said earlier, because it's Sylvia, her mom, and her grandmother all standing in a line next to <laughs> Philippe. And he's like, this is my mother-in-law, my wife, and my daughter. And they do all look very similar. Like, they're all these women of approximately yeah. 25 with red hair. Um, yeah. This is when Will and Sylvia do a bit of dancing and a bit of chatting. Um, the main thrust of this interaction is it's really like an opportunity. It's like a set piece for Amanda Seyfried to give all of us the exposition about how life as a rich person sucks. Because it's just mm-hmm. unending boredom, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason this is so is, like, according to her, like, rich people have gotten so consumed with protecting the amount of time that they have that they basically don't take any risks anymore. Yeah. Um, and they don't, I, like, I don't, it's unclear to me how they even fill the time that they have to be honest. Like, what do you do mm-hmm. every day of your life? I don't know. Um, well, I think that's a good similar, like, thing that um, people, you know, lower class versus upper class people would say today, right? Yeah. Like, I think people, you know, more struggling and hustling every single day would be like, oh, it's a grind every day. I have to go to, I have to do this. I have to do this just to stay afloat. And, you know, the idea is like, what do rich people do all day? They just sit around in their mansions. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's right. Because I guess by the same token, if you've got more money than you know what to do with, you don't need to work. Um, Right. And so then the question becomes like, okay, the time that I would have... How do you fill your day? Yeah, the time that I would have spent not just doing the work itself, but also like getting my education, getting whatever qualifications I need for this job. Like, then I have the job. Then I spend time doing that. Like, you don't need to do any of that. 
So then what are you going to do with your time? Yeah, I guess it amounts to the same thing. But I guess what is slightly different, which we learn, because then they go down to the beach and Will is like, this is the first time I've seen the ocean. I want to go for a swim. And Sylvia's like, what are you talking about? We never go in. And he's like, what do you mean you never go in? And it's like, well, because there could be an accident. And so that's the thing is like, we don't. We still don't know the disease. You can question, still die from accident. But you can still die, mm-hmm. uh, for you know, out of unexpected circumstances. So rich people mm-hmm. just simply never do anything that would potentially, you know, result in injury. I guess cause an accident. Um, yeah. So nonetheless, Will convinces her to go to swim. Um, they do like some skinny dipping and they have more of a heart to heart. Um, (laughs) then like, I think it's her dad like comes out kind of looking for her. So they like go back to the party, but return separately so that there's no like suggestion that anything happened. Um, Mm -hmm. and just as things are starting to maybe seem like they're settling down, the timekeepers show up. They've found Will. They're like, you stole that time. Um, What's going on? They drag him into some other room. And like, he explains, he's like, I didn't steal anything. I was given this. And Leon Mm -hmm. basically is like, you don't seem to understand that I'm a timekeeper, which means that my job is to make sure that time like is where it belongs basically and so Mm-mm. he was basically like people, I don't care how you got this it's not yours right it needs to go back to someone in New Greenwich not you can't keep this like this is not yeah. for you and so he takes all yeah. of his time except for two hours and he's like that's about what you deserve mm. I might have missed that part yeah okay. yeah so he's left with two hours so that's when and now that I'm thinking about this again, this is when this movie changes dramatically. Because. Yes, it turns into like. This like. It turns into. It does. The pace of it automatically shifts. Yeah. So because up to this point, things right? have been kind of moving in a more, I guess I would say, sedate pace. And you're like learning yeah. a bit about the world and you're seeing what all is happening. Yeah. Um. And now, all of a sudden, we are in a Bonnie and Clyde A full movie. car chase. Like, yeah. Um, and that's what yeah. the rest of the movie will be, basically. Because um, when they leave him these two hours, Will, like, immediately jumps Even up. her hair is a little bit, like, Bonnie-ish. Yeah. Yeah, it's in that, like, bob. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's left with two hours, which then emboldens him to take Sylvia hostage. Um, and then, yeah, we get our first char- car chase here, um, which once it concludes, they are like underneath a bridge. I think back in Dayton, like back in Time Zone 12. Um, and he's only yeah. got, he's got like yeah. just over an hour left. And he and Sylvia at this point still has the 10 years that her father has given her. And he's like, give me some of your time. And she's like, I refuse. Like, you took me away for that reason. And that was weird, too, because I was like, up until this point, you seemed like you liked this guy. 
But I guess if I were taken hostage, I might mm-hmm. change my tune as well. So fair enough. Yeah. True. Um, meanwhile, uh, they end up getting stuck, unfortunately, or caught up in a Minuteman trap. Um, because the Minutemen have set up, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, what spikes on the road or something. And so when they yeah. drive over it at high speed, the car, like, flips over. And then they end up, like, passed out in the car. And while they're passed out, the gang from the beginning of the movie, the Minutemen, led by a character, and this is serious, the character's name is Fortis. He's their leader. And so he takes... What? Oh, Fortis. I was... I I thought you said... Yeah. (laughs) I didn't read it, but I thought you said Hortis, and I was like, that's funny, his name is Hortis. (laughs) No. I mean, it may as well be... Both of them are nothing. I like, mean, who cares? Yeah. Um, so he takes most of Sylvia's time while they're both passed out. When they wake up, she only has 30 minutes left to live. Um, whereupon she's like, well, you better give me some of your time. And he's like, oh, now all of a sudden someone's happy to share time <laughs> when, I'm, when I can give some time to you. Um, although... Mm-hmm. They must have only been passed out a short while because he only had a little over an hour anyway. So they must have woken up after passing out pretty quickly. Um, right. They they start running away toward Burrell's apartment because they only have like a short time and Will is basically like, I know Burrell has a decade and we're nearby, so he'll give us right. some time. However, when he gets to Burrell's apartment, what does he learn? That um, that he drank himself to death because he gave him 10 years or because he gave him right. that decade. Right. So I guess you can still basically kill yourself from other things, you know, your own vices. Yeah. Or, well, I, oh, you know what it is, though? Because the body like- is still the body, right? Well, but now I'm starting to wonder because do you think when she said like he drank himself to death, do you think that it was the alcohol amount consumed that killed him or do you think he wasn't paying attention and then he bought some amount of alcohol that timed him out from that? That killed him? Mm, Like if he didn't budget his time properly kind of. That's interesting. I didn't take it like that. No, I didn't that could be. either. But now that I'm thinking of in the realm, like, because that's the whole thing is like, as we just established, he could drink himself to death because that would be death by accident, I guess. Yeah. But it could also because be. Because if you think about it, like, I took it more like what what it would be like in our world, let's say, you have somebody who is in like deep is deeply impoverished right. but also has a substance dependency issue right and you you then give them a hundred dollars and they spend it all in a day and that amount of liquor consumed that quickly 
is toxic. Right. <laughs> that's how I took it. Yeah, but. that's yeah, I yeah, that's how I or- originally interpreted it as well, but now thinking in the realm of the movie, I'm like, "Oh, maybe right. it just meant he could have just like not paid attention and yeah. bought something to such a degree that it timed him out for that reason." But either yeah, way, possible too. Either way, he's out. Like he's not there to help. But luckily, yeah. they live very near a pawn shop. So Sylvia and yep. um, Will run across the street to the pawn shop. They give um, her earrings to get two days worth of time. Um, whereupon they then call like from a payphone, which I thought was really wild. Like in my handwritten notes at this part, I wrote, "They have yeah. payphones." <laughs> Um, I guess the cell phone yeah, never got about? made in this alternate world. Yeah, or what the heck? Um, but so they call up Sylvia's dad, Philippe, and Will is like, I'll return your daughter tomorrow morning, but you need to give me a thousand years. Um, and Philippe is like, Well, I'm not giving it to you. And he's like, Okay, fine. Then you can give it to what he calls the date and timelines. And so this is the other thing that's, like, so mm. depressing is, like, they, they've shown this a couple times now in the movie where there's, like, a mission on the corner and people who are mm-hmm. really, really struggling can get time as, like, charity, basically. They can get time mm-hmm. from this place. And so he's like, if you give a thousand years to that mission, then I'll return Sylvia to you. Um, and this is... There's also this like weird semi backstory that's barely developed about how Will's dad used to help people, and for some reason, yeah, Leon they didn't really knows, ever get to that though. I thought no, they never did. Like Leon note recalls his dad, but like I don't know. This is there's just not enough there ever further to be. I'm just like, why do you bring up this dad thing at all? Like. You don't yeah. do anything with it. and it Yeah, they comes, never developed it. And it comes yeah. to nothing. Because, like, Leon repeatedly yeah. says, I know your father, I knew your father. And I was like, oh, is the reveal going to be that they yeah. were friends or they fought each other in these weird arm wrestling matches that we learn about shortly? Um, but that's never... It's just like, I just knew who your dad was and I didn't agree that he... Because he was giving time to people. And it's like, well, that... Who cares? Like, um, right. We, we also learn that even though what Will has asked for is relatively paltry from Philippe's perspective, because that's the whole thing. He won a thousand years from Philippe. Like, so a thousand years isn't a big right. deal. But Philippe refuses to give a thousand years to rescue his daughter and to these timelines. And I think what he says in, like, because he hangs up the phone and his wife is sitting there and she's like, well, you're giving them the money or giving them the time, right? And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And she's like, it's your daughter. And he's like, no, it's not for her. It's for them. So he specifically is like, I will not give even a minute or a second to these poor people. Right. So he's the worst. Yeah, exactly. He's the worst. Yeah. Um, 
In the meantime, Will and Sylvia have returned to Will's apartment um, where this is when he explains that his dad was this arm wrestling champ. And the reason that's important is because in this world to like switch time from one person to another, you hold somebody's like forearm. And so this is the kind of arm wrestling that his dad did and won all this time. Did you right. catch that? Yeah, I did. Cause, yeah, because, like, basically his dad was, like, really good at this. And so I guess he won so much time that then his thing was to give away his winnings once he got it. Yeah. Um, they also reveal that they are – so Will is 28 and she is 27. Um, mm-hmm. And they seem – they have this weird smile when they reveal that. And it's like, oh, now that we're age-appropriate, I guess – we can be in love or something. Did they not think that they were? Oh, I guess. Oh, I guess that you don't know. You don't know precisely. Yeah. Well, Mm. because also there is a joke that I did Mm. kind of enjoy at one point where the cops like have an inter, like a run in with a prostitute. And one of them says, well, if you just move on, I won't let everyone know that you're actually 60. 60. (laughs) Right, right, right. And she was like, well, they do now. And I was like, that's kind of a good gag, like, mixed into this movie. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, however, when the next day comes, they realize that Philippe has not paid the ransom that they've asked for. So unsurprisingly, um, Sylvia is pissed off. And I think she, like, calls her dad and is like, why couldn't you even be bothered to, like, save my life for this, to you, like, pittance of time? Um, and this is, this is, again, where we make an even further leap into, like, Bonnie and Clyde-style circumstances because as they're on the phone with her dad, Leon, the timekeeper, shows up. She shoots him by accident, I think, like... She's holding Mm -hmm. the gun at him, but I don't think she intends to shoot him. But then she's shot a cop, so they run away. Yeah. Um, And then they get a fancy car. Yeah, and this is how this snowballs, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I started out as a hostage. While I was being a hostage, I fell in love with this guy. Then my dad sucked. So I've right. so now I've thrown in with this guy only because he seems to be the only person who cares about me. Then I didn't intend to, but I shot a police officer, so we need to get out of here. And now to get right. out of here, we need to steal a car. So there's that. Then um It just gets to be too much. It's like yeah. a it's like a it goes off the tracks really yeah. quickly. And so then they like briefly stop at this like hideout by a tree where they watch news coverage about themselves, calling them fugitives and that they're dangerous. Um, Mm -hmm. This is when, um, I can't remember when they have their first kiss exactly. Maybe it even always happened all the way back in the beach, but this is when they seem to cement the notion that they're going to be in it together till the end. I don't really know. Um, Because, when they're watching the news footage, she says, we look cute together. And it's like, 
I know. She what? liked it. She seems to really be into this whole, like, weird fugitive life. Yeah. She goes into it. Once she realizes she's in it, then she's like, now I'm in it. And I'll just keep it up. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, back in fancy man land, Philippe is on the phone with his various investors trying to calm them down. Um, Leon, the timekeeper, shows up and he's like, look... Um, you had some plan to rescue your daughter and also not spend this time. I, I was a part of that. She doesn't want to be rescued. And so she, and she shot me. <laughs> so she's a criminal now. Um, whereupon mm. Philippe is like, oh, she's clearly being controlled by this other guy. Um, I apologize for your inconvenience. Allow me to make a contribution. I apologize. Yeah. yeah, allow me to make a contribution. Um, whereupon Leon is like, keep your time. I don't need a bribe. I'm going to arrest who I'm going to arrest. And now that includes right. your daughter. Um, mm. To which Philippe responds with, there's nothing that I cannot buy. And that's very much like a rich person. <laughs> yeah, like... He he was never, like, what I would describe as likable in this film, but he really gets worse no. over time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, this is when Sylvia and Will, like, this is, I don't know, when they get full into the outlaw mode because they rob a bank. Um, and I guess because, right. like, her dad is the bank, like he owns all of the banks or something. So they're doing it yeah. to like hurt him, but also like help people. So they rob this bank. They take out a bunch of time cartridges. They let people use them for themselves, which of course causes chaos in the streets. Um, this, of course, also makes the work of the Minutemen, the gang that kind of keep everything in control in Dayton, their work is now much mm -hmm. harder because people are like, you don't control time here anymore. I've got time for myself. Um, this is when, like, Fortis has a run-in with just some random guy he's stolen from in the past. Um, and... That guy has a gun now, and um, Fortis is put out as a result of this. He's not. He's just like I can't deal with this. Who is who is responsible for my discomfort? Um, and then he sees the mm -hmm. billboard with the reward of ten years for Will and Sylvia. So now they have both the police and this gang seeking them out to try and mm -hmm. take their time from them. Um, they've had hit out in a hotel um, where they get followed by the cops, where uh, there's another chase scene. And this is when they're chased through the streets and chased over a rooftop. And as you point out, Amanda Seyfried is in six-inch heels the whole time. Killed me. The Oh, my God, it's insane. And they weren't simply just six-inch heels, but they were the heels that were popular 
at that time that were a bit like stripper heel inspired. So like the mm-hmm. ball of your foot part had a platform and then your yeah. heel was even higher because then you could, they could be like eight inches, but you, I, you know what I mean? Like they were, they're insane. Patently they're, they're just not insane. a running some, shoe. Like, and they're like barely a standing shoe. Like I yeah, would you, not even be able to walk in those. You would be twisting both ankles pretty much immediately if you tried to run in those shoes. Oh, I wouldn't um, even, like, I literally wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even venture one step of a run in those. I would take them off immediately. But it's funny because I think in, like, the, there are certain shots where, sh- like, they were shooting them from the front. It sort of looked like they had shoes for her that were the same look. They looked kind of Mary Jane-ish, but they were flat. Oh, okay. I felt like I could, I read them as flat from, like, when they showed her from the front, but... It was supposed to be sure. those crazy ass shoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also felt like I noticed, like, of course, Amanda Seyfried is a beautiful woman and surely quite thin. But in this movie, like, her little legs looked so stick like. I was like, she needs, like, a, I know. a hamburger or two. <laughs> like, something is weird about this. Um, nonetheless, uh, as usual, they managed to elude Leon again on this rooftop chase. Um, and they end up in a hotel where, again, a different hotel where they like buy out the whole building um, for their safety. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the Minutemen suss out where they are anyway. Um, and so they bust into their hotel room. So this is what you were saying before, where people are just busting into rooms, busting all in the time. left and right. You can't even have a dang night to yeah. yourself. <laughs> so they bust in, and they're like, "Look, not only are we going to take your time from you, um, we're also going to like turn you into the cops, so we get that reward as well. So just deal mm-hmm. with that reality." Um, now it just so happens that Fortis is the type of gangster that like, how would I say, like feels like he's got a conscience or whatever. So Mm -hmm. he won't just simply take their time. He's like, you and I, him, meaning him and Will are going to do this weird arm wrestling thing. And that Mm -hmm. will, you know, set the stage. Because I guess he's, like, probably never lost a fight in his life or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, in the midst of this, I forget if it's at this scene or a different scene. But when we're seeing um, these Minutemen, like him and his henchmen, basically... As I wrote in one of my handwritten notes, it's like the henchmen look so stupid. And particularly there is this one henchman who has a fedora on his head and he's like making yeah. a lot of weird faces. Like every time he's in in screen, he's like mugging for the camera in this very particular way. And so he's doing that in this yeah. as well. Now, it just so happens that earlier in the movie, because we learned that um Will's dad used to be one of these fighters he's actually like really really good at doing this kind of fighting 
So he mm-hmm. wins. Fortis dies. He not only this was one of those things where it moved so quickly. He like he knows that if he wins, then the henchmen are gonna shoot them. So he wins, and as he's winning, he pulls a gun from somebody and shoots all of the rest of the henchmen, like as soon as he wins this arm wrestling match. Um, so they manage to run away with whatever amount of time Fortis had. Um, and they're back again on a rooftop for reasons unknown. Um, <laughs> Will is disillusioned because now this is the other thing. They, they've tried to like, quote, quote unquote, stick it to the man for no more than 48 hours maximum. And he's like, well, nothing we've done has worked to like upset this time system. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why would you, you never had a concrete plan. You've been winging it this whole time. Why do you think that that would upset the apple cart of an entire society? Like, I just... Yeah. Like, if that's what you wanted to do, then you needed a much more serious plan than what you have gone in (laughs) with. Because, like, even going back when he... Because I thought, like, when he said that thing, when he was finally getting into New Greenwich and he said that thing of, like, I'm going to make them pay... I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is when we start the weird montage of like years passing where he like disappears into new Greenwich society and he befriends people and he works around things and he learns how to think, you know, like that's what I thought this movie was going to take us to. Instead, it's like, no, now this is just a car chase bank robbery movie. And it's even different than many a bank robbery movie because these people don't even plan to rob the bank they've just done it at will like and so right. it's it is like this very strange where they're just like zigzagging from thing to thing without a plan at all which i guess makes sense if you're 25 but um <laughs> that certainly sums up my life at 25 for sure um so their final plan is to try and hit people where it hurts, and specifically her father. So they arrange to basically take Philippe hostage at his bank area, and then they steal from him, or what they want from him is he has a cartridge, a time cartridge in his vault that is for a million years, which is wild, just in and of itself. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and he, he even says when they take it out of the vault, he's like, that's my first million. <laughs> um, wow. So he has more than one million, first of all, which is like shocking. But so they take it from him and they're basically like, we're going to start spreading this time around, you know, Dayton and elsewhere. And he's like, one million years won't disrupt disrupt the system um because the whole system is designed for this few to be immortal many must die um mm-hmm. you know you're the, one million years across a million people who cares you know like that does nothing mm-hmm. um right so he they leave his office with him feeling as though everything is fine um 
Now, here's the thing that it was the other puzzlement of this movie for me is like Leon seems uniquely pissed off at Will for not really the crimes, which you would, is what you would expect a timekeeper would care about, but rather that he's gotten out of Dayton in the first place and that he's gotten all of this time and he's had these various experiences. He seems to really resent that has happened. So he's taken it as like mm-hmm. a personal vendetta to get both Will and Sylvia and I guess put them in jail or whatever the punishment is in this society. He, yeah. however, does know he only has 45 minutes left on his clock, but he doesn't charge himself up before he starts chasing them through various time zones. Um, when they get to Dayton, Leon smashes into their car. They give the million do- million-year time cartridge to the little street girl, and she starts spreading it around town which of course creates a melee on the streets into which Sylvia and Will disappear. They disappear into the crowd, but Leon still follows them. Um, And they have this kind of final standoff, but this is again where I finally really noticed how much Amanda Seyfried was supposedly running around in high heels because they're running on like just a, a road and she's like supposed to be running... Because now they're down, they, the two of them have like very little time left. Um, and this is when it's revealed that the reason Leon knows Will's father is because he was also from the ghetto. And basically his whole thing is like, I found a way out, but I'm not going to let anyone else do that. Um, which is a very middle management kind of vibe. Um, but because he's been so focused on revenge, he times out before he can do anything. So he just drops dead as a result of his desire for vengeance. Um, and again, this felt a bit like, even though it was probably always going to be this way, like, I think they were trying to set it up from the beginning that this was going to be the standoff and this was how it was going to happen was like, he was going to be so consumed with his hatred that he wasn't going to pay attention to how much time he had. I think we were always going there. But the mm-hmm. payoff to me as a viewer, I was like, that was anticlimactic. Like that, he just, like nothing is gained by that death. You're just like, blah, whatever. Um, they then run up to his car where he has not taken his daily payment of time. So they take that from him. Um, And then we get, as we often do at the end of movies like this that don't really want to wrap anything up, um, the the implication is they go back to the police station and everyone is seeing like kind of quote-unquote chaos on the streets because all these different people are getting access to time. And so because they have access to time, they're going into different time zones And, like, the system that has existed for however long is falling apart. But Mm -hmm. the final scene is we see Sylvia and Will going to an even larger-looking bank, it seems, uh, to rob more time. And I 
think what we're supposed to assume is that their first bank robbery changed like the vibe of Los Angeles or where, wherever that was supposed to be. And now they want to go to even bigger banks mm-hmm. to try and affect an even bigger segment of the population, I think, is what yeah. we're supposed to understand. Yeah, that was, that was what my takeaway for that. Yeah. And that's it. That's the movie. <sighs> it's a journey. It's a ride. It's a real journey. Yeah. Um, so in terms of yawns and eye rolls, for yawns, one yawn is this kept my attention pretty much the whole time. And ten yawns is this very much did not keep my attention even <laughs> for five minutes. What would you give it? Um, I would say probably like a two, two to three. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was pretty much like, I, I mean, I had my issues of uh, comprehension that I generally <laughs> have, like not hearing the opening VO and stuff like that. But um, I was pretty much, uh, yeah, I was more in it than a lot of the stuff we watched. So, yeah, that's yeah, a it really. Was, it kept my attention. Yeah, that's a good performance for you to get a two to three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say I would put myself at a two as well because I do, as with many of these movies, I think this could have been trimmed a bit. Um, oh, big time, yes. There were a couple chases that seemed unnecessary. You know, I think we could have just gotten oh, yeah. I mean, to the it's point. 20 minutes above my optimal yeah. time of a movie, but um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll being like, I buy into this world. It's acceptable. Um, and mm-hmm. 10 eye rolls is like, uh, absolutely not. Like, this was beyond understanding. Yeah. What would you give it? That's tough because I feel like there were some aspects of it I, I definitely bought into. And then other aspects where I couldn't quite keep up. Um, I might put it right down the middle, like a five. I felt like some parts of it worked, other parts did not. Yeah. In terms of, like, the world and what they built. Yeah, I agree with you. I would do a five as well because I do I do appreciate that this movie didn't just kind of go from exposition dump to exposition dump. I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm like, there... I would like some fleshing out. I think out. there's a little bit of more... Yes, yes. See, I think it's a tough balance in movies because I was telling you about a movie I watched last weekend where there was literally no exposition and Wait, what it, movie was that? It, I was talking about I think I was telling you about that movie called Tar. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really like that was one of those movies where you know, sometimes you talk about a movie where they're like, they think the audience is really dumb with the way that they're treating like everything as like needing to be over explained. And this one, I was like, you're going to have to treat me like I'm a little bit dumber because (laughs) I am not getting this. (laughs) Like, so I think that's a tough line in movies sometimes, like exposition versus, and especially in one where it's like this different assumed type of world where, um, in a regular day, someone wouldn't be, like, explaining it out to you. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because, like, the the characters wouldn't just be like, 
Hey, Burrell, we're getting coffee. Today it costs five minutes. You know, like how we always get coffee and it, you know, (laughs) you wouldn't do that. Right, you know how we get coffee and it costs time now, not money in the other world (laughs) that some people might live in? (laughs) Exactly. Like, I appreciate that it can't do that. Um, Right. But I also, I guess, and this will take us into like, did you like this and would you recommend it? I guess my main issue with this movie is... The first half was like a world building movie where, like I said, I was what I was expecting to happen is we would watch Justin Timberlake kind of, quote unquote, infiltrate the fancy man world. Mm -hmm. And then he would develop Mm -hmm. some kind of plan that would have some sort of one big set piece at the end of like something. Yeah. What we got, however, was like. Yeah, we're building up to this thing and now we've got like the rest of the movie where we're just going to go from like three, like we're just going to kind of randomly move between three three or four (laughs) different set pieces at different times and there's no real connection between any of them. And I was like, well, this is really not what I expected (laughs) out of this. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I can appreciate that the structure of the movie was not sound. Yeah. Did it, was it still, like, pretty enjoyable to watch? I'm not going to lie. I did end up enjoying it. So oh, I guess that leads into Yeah, so saying. I was going to say, so for you, you definitely liked this, it sounds like. I did. I enjoyed it. Would I recommend it? That might be more like, I'm not positive because it's not the type of movie I would generally recommend. Like... I don't know. I'm not positive if I would recommend it. I did I did like it. I enjoyed watching it, but there's something that gives me pause as to whether see, I would recommend that, it. That and see this goes back to my original quandary, which I'm still not sure I have an answer for, which is is this a good movie? I can't. Yeah, it's one tell. of those ones where like I would be a little bit embarrassed to recommend it cuz then if someone was like, "Oh, she likes that." <laughs> cuz I cuz like I I did enjoy it, but, like, I'm not sure that I should have. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I will say that I did like this movie. Like, I didn't uh, – even I sometimes with movies that I pick, I'm like, oh, this feels a bit like a chore and I'm kind of irritated or, yeah. you know, or whatever. This one I didn't feel that way at all. I felt you know, like there isn't a problem of pacing. I wasn't, like, twiddling my thumbs like what what's going right. on you know like i didn't feel that way at all right. so i think it's fair to say that i liked it but i just found myself being like i just can't be sure if this is that is good, good or it's weird what. it's that's a, like, it's a very weird yeah but i so i guess maybe then as with many a thing we've selected on this podcast um what i think I would watch recommend. Your own risk. I would. Sorry. I said, watch at your own risk. No, I would say slightly different. My recommendation to you is that this is a great Saturday or Sunday afternoon movie. Okay. Like, especially like if it's kind of like, oh, it's a rainy day. Rainy. You know. Yes, it's a rainy I, movie. Like, I don't really need to do anything right now, but I would like to be <laughs> a bit like engaged by something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a great candidate for that vibe. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. like actually 
going back to something that I don't think we talked about on the podcast, but I think you asked me about, I watched Morbius recently. Um, oh yeah. Because this is, that was the recommendation that HDTGM did for it was like, if this is a, oh. if you've got like a rainy Saturday afternoon, <laughs> watch this movie. <laughs> Um, and then I, it wasn't rainy, but I did have a Saturday afternoon where I wasn't really like trying okay. <laughs> to do much of anything. So I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'll give this a whirl. Mm-hmm. And it told, and I, and then I was like, yes, this is, they are totally right about That's this. funny. And I would say the same for this one. Like you're kind of That's funny. just kicking it. Maybe you're like, oh, it's like three. I'm not really trying to do anything or go anywhere <laughs> till like 536. Put yeah. this on. A 3 p.m. movie is a very specific type of movie, too, I think. Well, because... Like, this is definitely a 3 p.m. This isn't like an 8 p.m. movie. This no. is a 3 p.m. movie. Yeah. Like, you don't want to spend your prime time hours watching this. <laughs> Which I did the other night. I mean, I, I did, too. I always end up watching our movies on Tuesday evenings, so I do spend prime time mm. time watching them. So, and in this world where time is so valuable, I... We are basically doing charity I work. lost... An hour and 49 minutes of my life, and my little time clock would show that. You're and not like, getting it back. I'm really in yeah, trouble. They're not watching. Let me tell you something. Here's the recommendation. In this in this world, they would not watch this movie. Yes, they you're totally right. You're totally right. They might not even have movies in this world. They might not watch any movies, yeah. Right. Well, certainly There's not. There's not time for that. Certainly not poor people wouldn't. Um, no. Maybe that's no. a luxury of the rich. Um, yeah. Well, then on that note, if you've got some spare time, watch In Time if you want to. Um, <laughs> this has been See You Next Week in Space. Uh, I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and I, oh, I did it the wrong way. We will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.